You're listening to The Road with Pastor Teacher Steve Holt. So, in Genesis 1, we were given authority and power as the first couple, Adam and Eve. They were told to have dominion over the earth. We're supposed to have dominion over the earth, all things on the earth. But when Adam sinned, we gave that authority over to Satan and demonic powers. So when Jesus came, when he came to this earth, he actually kind of parachuted into enemy territory. And everywhere he went, he was casting out demons and setting the captives free. That's what we did at Memorial Park on Saturday. And that group of people that became a part of the army of God is called the church. So we're part of the church. So our complete task before the Lord is to go ye therefore and make disciples of all We are called to lead out and disciple our country. At The Road, our mission is to empower people to change the world. For more information on The Road, visit theroad.org. We hope you are encouraged by today's message from pastor teacher Steve Holt. We're in Nehemiah 4. Okay, we were in Nehemiah 4 last week. If you turn to Nehemiah 4, it's in the Old Testament. And we're going through Nehemiah chapter by chapter and verse by verse. And I'm confronting Nehemiah from the perspective of personal wall building and national wall building. Let me explain what I mean. I mean that the primary focus of Nehemiah for us is you building walls in your own life. You rebuilding those ancient walls and foundations of Christ in your own life. Many of us, if not most of us, and certainly all of us at times, have walls that once were strong in our life and they're no longer there. They've crumbled down. And so the book of Nehemiah is literally about rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem. Nehemiah is called by God as a cupbearer of a king to come and rebuild walls that had fallen around the temple at that time. And if you've been with us a while, you know we went into Haggai. We talked about Zerubbabel and all of that. I won't go into the detail here because of time. But today what I want to do is I want to veer off. I want to talk about national, national rebuilding of walls. So I'm calling it Rebuilding America's Walls, okay? And I want to talk about the fact that we have an opportunity before us that we can either blow it or we can grow it. God is putting before us two revolutions that are happening in our nation. If you saw my blog on Thursday, if you're not on my blog, you should go get on my blog. And, and, and what I wrote as a title is Pick Your Revolution. Pick your revolution. If you choose to sit on the sidelines, there is a socialist communist revolution happening in our country. And it will take over our nation. Or we can believe God for a kingdom of God revolution. It's, it's as clear as when I'm snorkeling down in those wrecks and those reefs in Okinawa. It's that clear. I can see 200 feet through a reef when I'm diving or snorkeling in some of the most beautiful places. It's that clear. There is a movement happening in America, mainly out of California and New York, that is a socialist anarchy revolution 
that is going to move across this land like a wildfire unless the church wakes up. It is time to wake up. Sometimes it takes a rude awakening before you have a great awakening. And the rally call here this morning is rebuilding walls in America. And I can't think of a passage. There's so many great passages in Scripture, but we're in Nehemiah 4. I felt like God wanted me to look at Nehemiah 4. Let me just, let me just rehearse something to you guys that uh, you've heard before if you came on Wednesday night. If you come on Wednesday night to, to our strategic prayer night, which is 6 p.m., about 100 to 150 of you guys come to that usually, on Wednesday nights at 6 p.m., I talked about lawlessness a couple months ago, where lawlessness is moving across our land, and I talked about the restrainer of 2 Thessalonians 2, 2 Thessalonians 2. And what I said, I'm going to rehearse it again, I'll say it again, is that I believe there's four great restrainers. There's four great biblical restrainers that are clear that hold back evil in society. If those four begin to crumble, lawlessness takes over. And we noted in the last days, the spirit of the Antichrist is going to move, is going to use governments, use leaders to come in and begin to take away all of our freedoms and take over our country. So here's the four restrainers, and I'll just quickly go over them. Number one is your conscience. Your conscience is a restrainer in your spirit given by God to keep you from evil. Number two, it's your family. The family is a second great restrainer that holds us off from evil. In other words, if you grow up in a family where there's godly principles being taught and, and, God, and a godly life being modeled, you grow up, most of us, not every time, but most of the time you grow up with a sense of restraint and a sense of understanding of your boundaries. Thirdly is government. Government is given, in Romans 13, is given for the restraining of evil. That also means that when government is no longer restraining evil, you resist government. You understand that? It's really important because a lot of pastors are mixed up on this. They think it's almost like carte blanche. You just, we're just going to obey government. No. If we did that, nothing would have happened in the book of Acts because when that spirit of God began to move in a mighty and powerful way in the book of Acts, they went against Jewish and Roman authorities. Christianity has often done its best work and been the most powerful where there is constraint coming from the federal or the state government. Okay, so government is important. Government is supposed to restrain evil. Everybody say that. Government is supposed to restrain evil. So what you're seeing in Seattle and Portland and Minneapolis and Kenosha is governments that don't understand their God-given role. And then fourthly, the church. And so with COVID and with all that's been happening in our society... Satanic powers are on the move to shut down the church. If you know what's happening in most of the cities where there's the most lawlessness, the churches are ineffective and inactive. That is not going to happen in Colorado Springs. And so, and so I know of at least 10 churches that we're tight. And we opened early and we battled together. And we have been as, as humble as we can be. We did not pick this fight. But a fight has been picked. And the reality is, is we went out there 
at Memorial Park, our passion and desire was that praise and worship and love and peace and a kingdom of God movement would be sparked out there. And it was powerful, and I think it's begun. So let me look at quickly three things, three things that I see in Nehemiah 4. So if you look at Nehemiah 4, we're going to look at it a little bit different than we did last week. And so it happened when Samballot heard that we were rebuilding the wall, that he was furious and very indignant, and he mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren in the army of Samaria, and he said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from their heaps of rubbish, stones that are burnt, and mocking, mocking, mocking? Now look at verse 4. Hear our prayer, O God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to a land of captivities. Do not cover their iniquity and do not let their sin be blotted out from before you. For they have provoked you in anger before the elders. Here's the first thing. First thing that I think is key in rebuilding walls in our country, and that is focused prayer. You see, when, when the opposition came against Nehemiah, instead of complaining about it, worrying about it, being overly frustrated by it, he focused his prayers. He focused his prayers. And that's what we do on Wednesday night with strategic prayer. Wednesday night at 6 p.m., we come in here and we have focused prayer. We pray specifically about stuff. And now there's all these groups starting to pop up. Some of you go to these groups. Nobody knows about them. Even the senior pastor doesn't know about them. And I hear about them and I love it. And they're happening in the sanctuary here. And it's like four and five and six and eight people. They come together and they'll pray for hours about some of these bills that are starting to pop up in California with uh, Gavin Newsom. God loves Gavin Newsom. He really loves him. But he's being used by Satan. He's being used by Satan. And so this pedophilia bill that's coming up, you guys, you know about that? They're coming after our children. They're coming after our children. And this is why the election matters. This is why if you are not registered to vote, just get registered to vote. Every week, more people get registered to vote. 33 million evangelical Christians did not vote in the last election. So, so we get what we didn't do. Takes guts to vote. Takes courage to stand up for biblical principles. Focus prayer. First thing is focus prayer. So here's what we're doing. Everybody jot this down. 52 days. Write down 52 days. So starting on September 23rd. On September 23rd to November 13th. September 23rd to November 13th. We're going to start 52 days of prayer. 52 days. And that's what we say. Why 52, Steve? Because 52 days is how long it took Nehemiah to rebuild the wall. So in 52 days, we're going to pray. So... And you say, well, wait, that doesn't line up with the election. Of course it doesn't, because after the election is when it's going to get worse. Okay, so there's going to, if, if Trump wins, there's going to be major rioting and demonstrations already planning. And my prayer is that the federal government would come in and really be restrainers if that happens. But I think there could be a coup. I think there's potential for a coup. It could occur. So we're going to go 10 days past the election, all right? 
So we're going to start on September 23rd. I think that's Tuesday or Wednesday a week. Um, 6 a.m. prayer. So Monday through Friday, we're going to have 6 a.m. prayer. So there'll be 6 a.m. prayer here, not 5 a.m. like the last time. And I see, you know, he, it's just all this relief just flowing. The, the spirit of relief is being released across the church. But at 6 a.m., we're going to come in here. How about that cross that Andy built? Isn't that beautiful right there? So we're going to come in here. We'll probably gather. Last time we did this, we had about 70, about 70 or 100 of you guys would come in the morning. We'll come in here and we'll pray at 6 a.m. And then Safa, with Lou Engel and his ministry, has about 50 young people coming from all over the country to pray before the election for 21 days. And they're fasting and praying, so they're going to join us too. And they're going to do prayer in the morning, the afternoon, and the evening, every day. And so it's going to, it's going to, it's going to be exciting. We're praying with those young people too. So put that down, September 23rd, 6 a.m. prayer, and then Wednesday night prayer will be happening. Um, we're going to have a probably this podium right here with a big Bible open. And when you come, you can come anytime from probably like 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And, and, and read the Bible. So our, our vision is that we go through the whole Bible at least once in the 53 days. So if you're like, you've got some time, an hour from work or something like that, you could come in here and just read the Word, and there'll be a journal next to the Bible. You get a Word from God, you write it down, put the date on it, and then just mark where you read. You might write, read 10 chapters, you might read one chapter, whatever, but you write it. If, you, if God speaks to you, then just underline that in this big Bible, and we're going to have the Word of God being proclaimed in the heavenlies along with our prayers. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. So we're going to be reading the Word. Okay, we're going to have the Word of God being released into the atmosphere. Isn't that really good? Yeah. 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 Hey, wait, 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 let me ask you, let me ask you a question. Hey! Yeah. That's better. Way to go, John. Yes. That's my wife. Good woman. I knew I married up. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. So number one, guys. Yeah, all right, do it. Yeah. Woo! Amen. Amen. Come on. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Oh, hello. Hello. Come on. Yeah. All right. You guys are awesome. I love you. My kind of church. You guys are starting to act like the church. Yeah. I guess the audience is becoming an army. I read about that somewhere. Okay, verse 6. Look at verse 6, Nehemiah 4. So we built the wall. Hello. We built the wall. Everybody look at me. We built the wall. It's important. What would you do if you were on an airline... And a guy came down the aisle, and he had a knife, and he was able to stab and subdue all the stewards and stewardesses, and then he broke in to the cabin where the captain and co-captain are, and you can hear a wrestling match going on and a fight going, what would you do? Would anybody here be moved to maybe help? I know. That's what's happening, folks. There are anarchists 
There are people at work, they're satanic work, and they're coming in to take over all leadership of this country. And this plane will crash if we don't do something. So, they didn't just pray about building the wall. They started coming together in verse 6 and starting to build the wall. They did it together. Look what it says. We built the wall, the entire wall was joined together up to half its height for the people had a mind to work. You'd be speaking Japanese or German right now if the great generation like you, my friend, who fought in the war, weren't willing to lay their lives on the line and go and fight in Europe and in Asia. I don't want to come to that. How about you? But that's where it's going. And so my second point is organized planning. Number two, organized planning. Americans need a mind to work. You have to have a mind to work. I had a young lady in our church who has been used mightily in my life and Liz's life so many times because of her prophetic words. She went down to the Republican headquarters, I think it was yesterday or day before, and she said, what are you guys doing about these mail-in ballots? And this lady said, well, we're doing a lot. Why don't you help us? She said, I'm all in. Let's go. She said, Steve, I'm so nervous. I'm not an activist or anything. And I said, well, it's about... You, you should become one. It's fantastic, and it's good. They had a mind to work. I don't think anybody here, look, you guys, here's the story behind this. This is years and years the walls have crumbled. These are not people that just came with Nehemiah. These are people who actually live in Jerusalem, and they haven't rebuilt the walls. And then something happened in their heart because of Nehemiah, because of the Spirit of God and the timing of the Lord, they suddenly had a mind to work. So some of you have never had a mind to work. You've just been comfortable with, you know, regular life. Me too. We don't have that luxury anymore. And God has a unique calling on all of you in this place. There's two kingdoms. The first kingdom, and it's the most important kingdom, is the kingdom of God. And Jesus says in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, he's speaking of the kingdom of God. And in Matthew 6, he says that we're all anxious about these things. We're anxious about what we should wear. We're anxious about our clothing. We're anxious about our bank accounts, right? Anybody get anxious about that? You know, I, we, we all do, you know. And Ecclesiastes, Solomon said, money is the answer to everything. New Living Translation. <laughs> no, it really is. Money is the answer to everything. That's what you think about. Now, I know what men think about. It's money and something else. But the reality is we do think about money, right? And here's the deal. Here's the deal. That in that world that we live in, the cure to anxiety in those areas is to seek first the kingdom of God, to give and surrender everything to Jesus Christ. But it doesn't end there. Some people are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. And some people are so earthly-minded, they're no heavenly good. So first is to seek the kingdom. That's the kingdom of God. Second is the kingdoms of this earth. 
and Satan controls the kingdoms of this earth. Satan came to Jesus in Matthew 4 and Luke 4, and he said, look, if you'll worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world because they've been given to me. So, in Genesis 1, and I've talked about this at the Wednesday night strategic prayer, but I'll just quickly, briefly explain it, that we were given authority and power as the first couple, Adam and Eve. They were told to have dominion over the earth. We're supposed to have dominion over the earth, all things on the earth. But when, when Adam sinned, we gave that authority over to Satan and demonic powers. So when Jesus came, when he came to this earth, he actually kind of parachuted into enemy territory. And everywhere he went, he was casting out demons and setting the captives free. That's what we did at Memorial Park on Saturday. And that group of people that became a part of the army of God is called the church. So we're part of the church. So our complete task before the Lord is to go ye therefore and make disciples of all, all, not individuals, not just individuals. We're supposed to disciple a nation. We are called to lead out and disciple our country. And that was the original mandate in 1620. The Mayflower Compact, when the, when the Puritans came to Massachusetts. Here's the opening line. How many know the Mayflower Compact? Anybody ever heard of that? Raise your hand. Awesome. At Thanksgiving, I, get, I do a whole message on it. But let me just give you the first three lines. Having undertaken... For the glory of God and the advancements of the Christian faith and the honor of our king and country, a voyage to plant the first calling. Ladies and gentlemen, this isn't even taught in our schools anymore, but this is the first American document. Mayflower Compact, 1620. Okay, 10 years later, about 1,000 Puritans came to our country. And under the leadership of a man named John Winthrop, they wrote another document called the Arbella Compact after the ship they were on, and it states this, we shall be as a city upon a hill that the eyes of all people are upon us. And then he goes on to say that we would be a model of Christian charity to the whole world. That's our founding, those, those are our founding documents. That's what we're called to do. And it's going to take organized planning on our part to take back our nation. Verse 10. Then Judah said, the strength of the laborers is failing. There's so much rubbish that we're not able to build the wall. I mean, that's the way I feel a lot of times. When I look at what's happening in the media and I look at what's happening with, with fake news and all the stuff that's going on, feels like this is impossible. And I look at the kind of stuff coming through the school system, the stuff they're trying to teach our kids. Unbelievable. So bad. Verse 11. And our adversary said, they will neither know or see anything. See, that's what they're counting on. You don't see anything. You don't know what's going on. You don't see what we're doing. We're going to just keep slipping it through. Just kind of keep slipping it through. Verse 12. So it was when the Jews who dwelt near, they heard it ten times. From whatever place you turn, they're going to be upon us. Now, this is the key verse, 13. Underline it. Circle it. Highlight it. I 
positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall. I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall. And I said to them, take up your swords and your spears and your bows. And I looked and arose and I said to the nobles and to the leaders and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons and your daughters and your wives. Men and women, this is so vitally important. We are battling for the soul of our nation and for the future for our sons and daughters. Number three, strategic positioning. Strategic positioning. Number one, focus prayer. Number two, organized planning. Number three, strategic positioning. We've started a, um, Amy, would you stand up? We've started a public policy ministry. Amy was a county supervisor, and she's leading that effort. And they're having a meeting this week. If you want to see her, talk to her about that. Because what we have, write down this, write down gaps and gates. Just write down gaps and gates. We have gaps and gates in our wall. We have gaps and gates in our wall. And these gates are like areas of business. It might be media. It might be education or government. Whatever, there's the seven, people talk about the seven mountains, seven spheres of influence. I don't care what you call it. I'm going to call it gates and gaps. There's burned down gates and there's gaps and holes. Okay? If we don't do something, we will not be meeting like this two years from now. They will have strategically, because let me tell you, the enemy's doing everything I just said. They're praying to the enemy. They're praying to the enemy. They're strategically planning, and they're positioning their people in the right places. And I'm telling you, folks, we're going to out-love them, out-pray them, out-plan them, and out-think them. And the way we do that is some of you need to run for school board. Some of you need to run for city council. Some of you need to be county commissioners. Some of you need to start writing letters and doing op-eds in the Gazette. We should take over the Gazette. We should take over all these different areas. And let's rebuild our economy, but let's rebuild the spiritual life and the economic life and the educational life of our county, El Paso County. I'm not responsible for Denver. I'm not responsible for New York City, and neither are you. We are responsible for El Paso County. And if everybody across this land took responsibility for the land that they've given, God would move in revival power. Revival, to me, is only the spark plug of a revolution that touches every part of the culture. And some of you are so uniquely gifted. I mean, we have two men. One of them's in this room right now. He gave money. He gave a large sum of money for us to bring in Sean Foyt because he's a successful entrepreneur. And some of you are going to be very successful as entrepreneurs, and God's going to use you to be massive givers to stuff that God wants to do, to bring the kingdom. Some of you, are, you're, you make money. That's what you're good at. Man, keep doing that. Don't ever, ever think that's not important. And for some of you, you're like, you, you, have, a, you have a teaching gift. And in some way, you're going to be used maybe in education. Some of you need to become school teachers. You need to get involved. You need nurses and doctors and stuff. And get in there. But don't let them change you. You change them by being a bold worshiper and warrior. You've been listening to The Road with Pastor Teacher Steve Holt. We hope you have been blessed by today's message. To connect with us further, visit theroad.org. 
If you are walking through a difficult time, we want to pray for you. Go to theroad.org, click on the Ministries tab, and go to our prayer page to send us your prayer request. Thanks again for tuning in today, and be sure to listen to the next edition of The Road with Pastor Teacher Steve Holt.